couple members of the Randy Newman fandom discussing one of his songs at random, followed by another that's a cover. It's Wheel of Randy. It's Wheel of Randy, your favorite Randy Newman podcast. Uh, as Randy says in the song Shame, let's talk a little business. We have changed uh, content providers, which means that some of y'all may have seen a hiccup in your feed the past couple weeks. Hopefully that is resolved. If it hasn't, let me know on Twitter at Wheel of Randy. One nice thing about my new provider is that I am getting more statistics about my listeners, and I've discovered that somebody out there in Lithuania is listening to Wheel of Randy. So to my fans in Lithuania, I'm sorry that I made fun of your Grateful Dead basketball team jerseys in 1992. Yeah, that's all I have to say. Let's start the show. It's Wheel of Randy. guys quick content warning today uh we touch on some sensitive themes today the song uh including sexual assault and racial violence and lynch mobs uh so just be forewarned thanks guys bye folks we got peter Tutant today thanks for joining us peter how are you doing tonight i'm doing well thank you for asking and thank you for having me Peter reached out. I, I think we first connected on uh, on a, a Randy Newman Facebook group, which okay, <laughs> we sure did. We sure did. I, I mm-hmm. okay. Some positive things can happen through Facebook. I have to That's begrudgingly right. admit. That's right. You can find communities out there that uh, might be a little bit more niche, and I think uh, uh, I think Randy. Randy Newman fan clubs aren't the most niche communities on there uh, by a long shot, um, but uh, it does serve that purpose. It does serve that purpose. So how long have you been a Randy fan? Uh, I actually discovered Randy through the Who is Harry Nilsson uh, documentary. Oh, I haven't uh, seen and, that. I mean, I love Harry Nilsson, but I have not seen that documentary. It's fantastic. You should absolutely, absolutely check it out. Um, and Randy's on there talking about Nilsson Sings Newman. Uh, and then not too long after that, um, I was record shopping, uh, digging through the digging through the dusty bins, and I found a copy of Sail Away. Uh, and since it was, you know, Randy's material was fresh in my mind, I scooped it up, and uh, man, couldn't uh, couldn't have landed. Uh, uh, a better, a better introduction. Yeah, that, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of born agains in there. Actually, surprisingly, <laughs> born again in the bands a lot, but not a lot of sail away. So I was happy to happy to grab that one. Sail away is what I always tell people to start with. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born again. I think I, it, it's bizarre to call it a sophomore slump, but I think they they just cranked out too many copies of those after Little Criminals actually sold. So I yeah, think I think a lot of born again floating around. There. Yep, Randy, I, I was reading up just in anticipation of talking about William Brown, uh, and uh, I think Randy had high hopes, and everyone thought it was going to be uh, everyone 
thought it was going to be a big hit and uh um with the album art and then you know a lot of other things uh thrown in the mix it wasn't to be so there's there's some copies out there floating yeah, around yeah that's a weird record <laughs> yeah yeah it, it takes a while to i i I don't know if it's Stockholm syndrome that I enjoy that record now that I've listened to it enough. Time. It's really so so good, um, you know. And I've I've uh, you know I've given you know usually if I see a Randy Newman album, um, you know, in those in those bargain bins, I I grab them and and uh, and and give them away. So I've given out I've given out a couple Born Agains. Uh, and it is not it is a peculiar introduction, not not quite the introduction that Sail Away is, but uh, a little trial by fire, I guess. Uh, so what what else are you listening to these days? What are you a fan of? Oh man, um, I've, I so I'm I'm I spent a lot of time in Chicago, um, and uh, there's an artist named Neil Francis who put out a, an album that's really really great. Um and uh, and I've Would been playing that, that a lot. I couldn't hear that. Neil. Yeah, it's N E A L. Uh huh. F R A N C. I believe he does I S, but there's another oh, Neil okay. Francis out there that spells it differently. But uh, it's the Neil Francis that's doing the sort of uh, Alan Toussaint, uh, Leon Russell um, sort of uh, uh, really funky, really groovy uh, kind of gospel tinged. Uh, tunes but they're really 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 good yeah all right i'll check that out yeah and you are in portland yep i'm in portland now is it is it still weird uh it's i don't know it's certainly been uh i think everywhere has been pretty weird this year Um, okay that's a fair point so yeah it's it's uh yeah lived up to its reputation i suppose cool cool well, let's see what else is going on. I'm trying to think of. I, I do want to talk about that Nelson documentary real quick. Yes, yes. Because I, I'm sure it touched on this, but I've read that he was just a really insecure guy, and he got really insecure about his voice, even, which just blows my mind. Do they touch on that? They do. Um... So he, I think, you know, he also had a very notorious relationship with John Lennon, um, who also, I think, was dealing with his own securities for sure. Um, And, you know, there's some conspiracy going on, but, uh, you know, uh, Lennon ended up producing a Nilsson record called Pussycats, which is a a fantastic album. Um, But over the course of recording that album, I think Nelson and Lennon, the, the story goes that Nelson and Lennon got into this sort of primal screaming contest that, you know, this, this screaming thing was something that John Lennon, you know, something that John Lennon was on. So they get into this screaming contest and uh, Nelson ends up like rupturing, a, you know, his vocal cords or doing, mm. doing some horrible, horrible damage. Uh, but he doesn't want to tell Lennon that the damage is done because he's afraid that Lennon would stop uh, stop the album production, stop the recording sessions. Um, so he just kind of powered through. Um, so, you know, uh, and, and he never, he quite honestly, never really recovered from that. Uh, and he, and he, he lost that really sort of 
buttery angelic voice that you know the without you voice that that um he was so well known for and he ended up putting out more great albums and he kind of made the most of this new gruffy sort of voice that that he had developed um but the the uh uh they do they do cover that period in time um in in relative depth on the documentary um and it's just one of a lot of chapters in nilson's story that are that are very fascinating um i've got to check that out yeah thank you so much yeah of course all right, so you, you you already gave it away, but you're bringing up William Brown tonight. Yeah, here to talk about William Brown. And folks, why don't you pause this real quick and listen to William Brown off of Born Again, <laughs> and uh, we'll have a link to that uh, on our Twitter page, at Wheel of Randy. So listen to William Brown and come back, and we will talk it over. God, Captain Races, sing this song, do-da, do-da. All right, Peter. I like this song a lot. I'm really thrilled that someone would 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 choose this one. So t- t- tell me first of all why you chose William Brown. Um, you know, I kind of go, I rotate through Randy's albums. Sort of, I have a I have a different favorite album at all times. Yeah. Um, and I was going through a Born Again uh, phase, and you know, like we talked about, it's not it's not the most accessible album at all. Uh, and Randy even uh, has spoken to that in some interviews. But that song, you know, for some reason I was spinning through the album and the song just stuck out to me. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful song. It's an eerie song. It seems like there's more going on than, than what's at the surface. And it really just piqued my, piqued my curiosity. And, and, and I also know that, uh, it it is a favorite. Uh, there's a, a a gentleman out there by the name of Gary Norris who I, I believe heads up the Randy Newman fan group that that we started chatting on. Oh. Um, and it all he also has mentioned that it's one of his favorites. So the 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 fact that I kind of was compelled by it and that and that he you know obviously being a being uh, the the ultra fan. Um, uh, the fact that he that he has an affinity for the song also made me more curious. Um, and then I, I started digging into the song, and I think you know it's it's not talked about a lot. Randy hasn't talked about it a lot. Um, but as I started digging into it and and the possible meanings, I definitely feel like it's uh, it's it's worth some discussion. Only thing I could find where he talks about it. Uh, it's when he talks to Paul Zolo. Have you heard that interview? I believe I've I, I heard one clip of that interview, and then there's one other interview uh, uh, that was in BAM magazine magazine uh, by a guy named Mark Leviton. But read me your your quote first. The, the quote, yeah. Let me pull this up. Uh, he says, uh, "It's a weird song. I tried to do nothing, and I did." mysterious right yeah so I mean, more mysterious than usual even. right yeah it's um, like, is, is he trying to write a song a song where nothing happens right very peculiar quote so i i there's another article another interview he did uh um and i and i, I found clips of it online but i couldn't find the whole interview 
So I, I, in anticipation of this interview and out of my own curiosity, I emailed the author. So I emailed Mark Leviton and he sent me the article right away, which is fantastic. Future guests, pay attention. This is the level of homework I expect (laughs) you to do. Um, So, and, and big props to Mark too, for also coming through on it. So he, you know, similar quote and, and there wasn't a whole lot more to it. Um, but he says, yes. No, so Will, uh, so Mark asks, William Brown is one of the few songs you've written without a real narrator. And I thought that was an interesting observation also. He tells a story, but it's not through a first-person narrative, like narrator's perspective. Yeah. It's a story about William Brown, which is, I, I guess I hadn't picked on that unique part about it. Um, but Randy responds and says, yes, nothing happened. He says, I'll never do it again, but I wanted to write a song in which nothing happened. And then the clue is there's only one slight joke about the guy moving from North Carolina to Omaha. The idea of moving from a beautiful green state to the Platte River I like. But I shouldn't. And then he says, I shouldn't have done even that. It's totally flat. At least I did it once. So that I did, you know, I shouldn't have done that. It is strange. Um, so then Mark responds. He says, it kind of ties in with that line in Born Against, they just got married, uh, where Randy says, anyway, she dies. Oh, <laughs> that was such a funny line. <laughs> yeah. And, so that's that's another and line. the drummer responds with a rim shot. <laughs> it's such a funny line. Yeah. It, 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 and he totally sneaks it in there. Um, yeah. So... Uh, anyway, she dies. So he says it, it's the brutality of banality. And I think we might have meant the banality of brutality. Um, but uh, either way, it works. So uh, and then Randy says, oh, I have no editorializing in William Brown. So he doesn't offer like a, necessarily an opinion. He tells a story. He says, I don't feel bad about him being a tobacco man, having lots of cars. Um, and then he kind of switches, he goes on a little tangent, he says, Old Man on Sail Away album should have been flatter, but I got, another, you know, another beautiful song, but I got too carried away with the strings. I meant it to be a very cold sort of song, which it is, but it should have been colder. And I think he's saying that about Old Man, but I think it might apply to William Brown also. Uh, and then he says, with William Brown, hell, I don't know what I had in mind. It was like an exercise. That's why it was such a big hit. So that's all he's ever said. Yeah, I don't know what he means by such a big hit. Maybe at the time, it, it, you know, it got it got some sort of attention, but um, you know, certainly it wasn't on short people level or anything like that. But that's pretty much the extent of everything that Randy has said about William Brown. Um, so it's 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 very curious. I've got um, to start with my personal experience why I relate to William Brown. Uh, please, because I moved from Alabama to Oklahoma and absolutely best decision of my life yeah. uh, that, 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 uh, you know, we, we, we have this, uh, like we see so many times uh, in, in Randy's catalog, we, we have this man in the South and it, we finally have a man from the South who leaves. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, it's not like uh, Johnny Cutler. Dan doesn't talk about rednecks. Who, who says, you know, anywhere is going to be the same as, as Alabama. Yeah. Right. He, he wants out of the tobacco business. He wants yeah. a fresh start. 
yeah and he finds he finds it in the in the west in the midwest and man oh man can i relate to that yeah yeah i really enjoyed that on a personal level so i'm kind of surprised that he would go after the platte river which okay if it's not your cup of tea that's fine but it beats north carolina (laughs) right that's interesting you bring up moving from the south um and that kind of is is where i sort of took it so i started reading into and and randy talks about that too you know like why why would somebody move from north carolina to omaha um and so that's kind of where i started and i started digging into way you know who who because randy also doesn't mention if william brown is a real person or not uh and certainly Randy talks about real historical figures and, and stuff like that. And, and, and plenty of his songs and, you know, that the man's name is the title track. So it's certainly of some significance, mm-hmm. but he doesn't mention in his interviews as, that it's a real guy. So I started looking for uh, William Brown that moved from North Carolina to Omaha. Couldn't find one. And I think that, you know, that, that, that your experience was a good one. Um, uh, it, you know, I think speaks to, an element of the story. And I think that the fact that Randy says that no one would ever actually do that is also a little bit of a clue. So I do have a theory that, you know, while, while Randy says that nothing happens in the song, knowing that it's Randy and knowing that this album, you know, had more subtle subtlety to it that, that Randy speaks to and with something going on in the music, there's, I feel like there is something happening in this song. I do too. Um, I want to see if our, I want to see if our theories match up. So. Great. So my theory is that essentially white privilege is what's happening in William Brown. All right. And that, and that William Brown might be one of Randy's more poignant and enduring statements on race in America, albeit his most subtle. Um, this is a topic that Randy deals with a lot. Um, and I feel like some of his more overt statements on it, um, you know, I, I, I abide by the rules of this show. And I feel like Randy hasn't done, done it so in such an uh, enduring way. Um, but I feel like this song is a statement on white privilege and i can tell you what brought me to that conclusion yeah i want to hear this journey where tell me where you got that so first let's dig into the lyrics uh william brown tobacco man left north carolina when he sold his land and he took a train to omaha and he stayed there with some friends he had so right there already his his journey is sort of paved with privilege a little bit and mm-hmm. and there aren't a lot of clues as to the as to what William Brown's race is in this song, um, but I think as we go through, you can make assumptions at the end. Yeah. Um, so he he owned land, uh, was a t- you know a tobacco industry guy, and he gave this all up to move to Omaha, which is a little bit strange. And there's also not a lot of clues about the time in which this song, like what year this song was set. But we know he takes a train. We know he takes um, so a train. We know be... he has multiple cars. He also has multiple cars, which is strange. Yeah. Um, and another thing that's not mentioned is the wife. 
So, uh, but he says that he doesn't mind it. You know, he, he, he thinks that Omaha is fine. He doesn't miss home. Um, so then he goes on, likes people, likes the town. So he built himself a house beside the river. Uh, great, beautiful. He's all set. He just built the house right by the river. Um, and then he sends for his children. He sends for his cars. So he doesn't, he doesn't even go back for his kids or his cars. He lumps right. his kids in with his cars. Doesn't mention any, any wife. Uh, which is really interesting. And then he says he bought a little business that would run itself. So he just buys a business. He runs itself. So he doesn't even have to work. Yeah. He's, yeah. This guy's got it made. Right. He's all set up. So uh, again, I did some digging is, was William Brown, the tobacco man who moved to Omaha from North Carolina real in all likelihood. No, I did discover a William Brown tobacco man in North Carolina, but he didn't move to Omaha. Um, so, and there's extensive documented history about, you know, the, you know, that, that Brown family, but no stories that are worth telling, um, even in a song where nothing happens, nothing that I think that Randy would have gravitated towards. And also Randy, again, he doesn't say so. Uh, and he even stated that the idea that anyone would make that move is, is, is a joke in the context of the song. So then I, well, but when we search William Brown from Omaha, an important story does surface. Oh, okay. One that I do think caught, in all likelihood, caught Randy's attention and kind of uh, frames this story and, and, and uh, kind of positions it as a statement on white privilege. And I have, to, I, have, I have to put a trigger warning in here. The story of William Brown, the real William Brown, is a story of horrible racial violence um, and rape. Uh, so your audience, please prepare yourself and or choose not to listen, listen because the story is very disturbing. Appreciate that. And we'll put a little content thing at the start of the show as well. So, Fantastic. So the story takes place in 1919 during the Red Summer, which is a period of rampant white supremacist terrorism and racial riots in more than three dozen cities. And this was all new to me. I discovered all of this through my research on William Brown, the song. So one of these, uh, um, one of these riots was in Omaha and resulted in the death by lynching of a black man named William Brown. Oh. So William Brown was accused of rape. But while there was a lot going on leading up to that, the act of violence and, and his lynching, in all likelihood, his committing the crime of rape was not one of them. So this is not to not believe the, uh, you know, the victim. Um, this is just what, what uh, the community in Omaha that is still grappling with this has found. In likelihood, William Brown um, did, not, uh, did not rape um, uh, the victim. So there's a lot of information about this riot and about the circumstances leading up to it, but very little is known about William Brown, because one of my questions that I had about this William Brown was, where was he from? And was he from North Carolina? It turns out we don't know where William Brown is from, um, but we do know that he was from the South. So William Brown's story uh, the real William Brown does parallel William Brown, the character in the song, and that this is a story of a man who moved from the South to Omaha to 
either find opportunity or work or whatever it is. So um, the story of the real William Brown, the man, is fortunately getting some more attention. Uh, the 100th uh, anniversary happened um, and there's a ceremony. And I think that, you know, with uh, uh, the racial, racial justice movement happening right now, this case is getting more attention. Um, uh, one of here, the professionals here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're coming up the, this summer is the centennial of the Tulsa massacre, which okay. is uh, getting a lot of attention. Uh, yes. And, you know, you know, it, it was featured in uh, uh, in both Watchmen and what was that other show that featured it? Uh, oh, uh, Love it Lovecraft Country. Country? Yes. yes. It, there yeah. was a Tulsa episode in there. Uh, yeah. But, you know, e- even outside of the popular culture, you know, all, all, all of my friends who are native Oklahomans to a T, they say, yeah, I learned about that about 10 years ago. Right. <laughs> Didn't right. learn about it in school. No, um, certainly so there not. There's a lot more awareness uh, out there. So it, it's interesting that the Omaha has been dealing with that as well. Yep. And, and uh, I, I certainly wasn't uh, taught these lessons in school and, uh, you know, of all roundabout ways to come across this story through a Randy Newman song is one of the more surprising ways to, to, to be learning about this. So um, one of the professionals is a, a woman named Dr. Barbara Hewins Maroney of the University of Nebraska in Omaha. And she's one of the scholars looking into change the, the, the fact that we don't know much about William Brown. So she's trying to research his life. And there's other uh, professionals at, you know, and scholars at Northwestern University of Indiana, and, and, and I'm sure, you know, like you mentioned in Oklahoma and, and across the country, hopefully, also trying to fill in some of the gaps in this history and studying in particular the anonymous victims of the Red Summer lynchings. So the stories of our two William Browns could not be more different. One was paved with privilege and the other with tragedy and, and racism and violence. Um, that so, is a good theory. Um, that, that, that sure beats where I was going with it here. Inter- well, I'm, I'm curious to hear, hear your theory too. And then I, you know, I just think that the, you know, that, uh, everyone here listening and I, and, and we can kind of go, uh, go into all the parallels of, you know, of William Brown, the fictional character and William Brown, um, the real man, um, but uh, they're they're really really deep and 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 uh, um, and it's a story worth telling. And I do feel like it, you know if so the 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 question that you have to ask is did Randy know this and did Randy do this on on purpose? Uh, and if he did, I you know I think that how the song affected me and led me to discover. Um, the story of the real William Brown, I, I, you know, I do believe it was intentional. So if you don't mind, I would love to tell a little bit of the story of the real William Brown. Please do. Yeah, yeah. So Omaha 1919, there's a lot of things going on. There's a guy named Tom Dennison, who is this political sort of uh, mobster leader who's sort of running the town. And he is the more typical Randy character that you would that you would find in the song. You know, he's uh, he's a big criminal. Um, uh, Other things that were going on in Omaha at the time, the population is booming. The C directory and 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 all all this stuff I you know I mainly uh, discover most of this stuff through uh, um, um, through uh, Barbara Hewins um, 
Maroney's lecture. She gives an hour-long lecture on this story. So this is basically all uh, a distillation of that. So population was booming. Uh, 1918, the population was 186,000. In 1919, there's no directory, which plays into our story. So keep that in mind. Other things that are going on, World War I is over. The troops are coming home. They're concerned about their future. They got a $60 severance. There is high unemployment. Uh, uh, discrimination is a huge problem. Fear of others is going on, both anti-Black um, being at the end of the Great Migration, also anti-German sentiments. Uh, you know, folks were trying to track down uh, where the Germans were living in America, um, crack down on language like, um, you know, can't, can't speak, uh, you know, um, a, a lot of restrictions against speaking German and this huge sort of fear of the other is happening. And, you know, that's, that's a big deal in Nebraska, you know, that, that whole, that whole Western high plains, you can't shake stick without hitting someone of German ancestry. Every last name uh, from Western okay. Oklahoma up to Nebraska is a German last name. Very interesting. Yeah. So, um, so, and don't forget the flu. I, we're still Spanish flu. I hope I'm not um, stealing your thunder, but 1919. No. Yeah. Was, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So there's it's, health health situation going on also. Uh, okay. So about huge, huge. Yeah. Okay. Intra. I see. Okay. I see where you're going with that. Okay. Um, also, what's going on is there's people moving from the south to work. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, a meatpacking industry that's that's booming, and they're saying come one, come all. Um, and but what those those who are responding to that come one, come all, what they don't realize is that they're showing up as strike breakers essentially. Ooh. So when they show up, they're not welcome. Um, so this idea that William Brown from from the song, he shows up, he's got friends there, you know, he buys his business you know, everything is smooth sailing was actually not the reality. Uh, people were, you know, people were, and the idea that you'd move from a beautiful place like North Carolina to Omaha is a joke in the song, but in reality, uh, people were moving there for work. Um, and when they showed up, they were finding themselves in a, a nasty situation. Um, so this guy, Dennison, he's got this political machine. Uh, and he's got his his little puppet uh, mayor, uh, Dolman, or or would-be mayor. So he's he's pushing Dolman to be mayor. Dolman loses to this guy named Edward Smith. So Dennison loses his, his political control, uh, and he needs to find a way to get that back. And the way that he gets that back is by positioning the new mayor, Edward Smith, as not handling the, uh, the work situation uh, and the racial violence situation. Uh, and so Dennison wants to sort of drum up some, uh, some um, sort of essentially violence, uh, drum up a mob mm -hmm. um, to, to make Edward Smith look bad. So other things going on leading up to this, and this is all just sort of background context that might be too much, but Dwight D. Eisenhower paid a visit um, talking about building better roads. There's a big welcome home in July, big welcome home party for the vets in August. Uh, uh, the president uh, stopped by in September. There's a big army surplus sale going on, and there's a huge carnival. 
So that's all just to say there's a lot of people and there's a lot of activity happening in Omaha in 1919 leading up to September. Uh, and then there's an increase in crime, drugs, murder. There's a big bank robbery that, uh, you know, that, that uh, all of these, the, the, the drug bust, the murder, the bank robbery, and the theft are all spoken to in this lecture and they all deserve a story of their own this what was going on here you know randy says that there's nothing happening there is a lot happening in <laughs> omaha in 1919 right. um so the accusation comes in september 27 1919 a woman named agnes lobeck uh is allegedly raped um she's 19 years old she's reported to be a laundress a restaurant worker and a sex worker uh, and her boyfriend is a man named Milton Hoffman. Uh, and where things get a little sticky, of course, not shaming anything here in terms of sex work, but the Agnes, the, the operation that Agnes was working under, as well as her boyfriend, Milton Hoffman, had ties to Denison. So that's okay. where things get a little sticky. So... The story was that Will Brown gave this ring to Agnes, but he wanted the ring back, so he robbed her and he raped her in front of Milton. As soon as this accusation comes in, there's a huge mob response. So much and so immediate, immediate of a response that the theory now is that this response was premeditated. Okay, uh-huh. The result is the mob torches City Hall. And if you read this story, like the, it, it sounds like the insurrection that happened in Washington, the way it went down. It's really, really scary stuff. Um, but they torched the, the, torch the City Hall. Um, they uh, force Will Brown to be turned over. Um, in the midst of this fray, actually, the mayor tries to prevent this from happening. He is also hung temporarily. He is Ooh. hung, but then cut down. Um, there's claims that there's anywhere from 5 to 10, 15, up to 20,000 people in this mob. Um, so we know that, the, that uh, William Brown ends up dead. Um, but also there's mysterious things that happen is that there were pointed sort of uh, um, records that were stolen and there were records that had to do with taxes and tax liens <laughs> and people who, right. Um, people who are going to have their homes basically uh, foreclosed and, and, and repossessed, repossessed. So this mob had po some political, sort of agenda also which is very strange so that's all to say that that you know um the story goes that that this mob was incited to violence because of this rape when in all likelihood there that it had very little to do with the rape and a lot to do with all the other political things uh that were going on um so that that is the story of the real William Brown. The aftermath is that there was, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, a strong black leadership that emerged, but also increased segregation, increased violence, decreased jobs, safety and security. Um, and 
and you know um um you know will brown's murderers were never brought to justice um and william brown's identity uh is still being pieced together um so this there's one more part of this story that i want to include because that so it brings us back to could randy did randy know this did, could have randy have known this um this lynching did get a huge amount it was on the front page of the new york times at the time um it got a lot of news coverage um and a lot of attention and documentation has gone into the riot but not into again the identity of william brown so this is where things get a little sort of um interesting and and a little bit mysterious william brown didn't even have a gravestone until 2009 when a man named Chris Hebert, who was an engineer from California, donated $450 to have a gravestone put in place. And he said, lest we never forget, is the quote that he put. Hmm. The reason why Chris Hebert, who had nothing to do, had nothing, the, the, the whole reason Chris Hebert had any interest in this is because he saw a special on Henry Fonda and how the actor Henry Fonda and how the riot affected his life and his acting career. Okay. Henry Fonda was, was Henry Fonda was from Omaha and witnessed this lynching when he was 14 years old. So this affected his career. He goes on to make movies like Young Mr. Lincoln and the Oxbow Incident, which prominently feature lynchings and also dealt with labor issues uh, like The Grapes of Wrath. Mm -hmm. Young Mr. Lincoln, the music was scored by Alfred Newman. Uh, uh, there we go. Grapes, Grapes of Wrath, the music was scored by Alfred Newman. And the Oxbow incident was composed by this guy, a gentleman named Mockridge, who was the staff composer at Fox working under Alfred Newman. Oh, my gosh. So... Is that how Randy found out about this? Not sure. It's sort of the strange mystery, strange coincidence, but it goes, it stands to prove that Randy in all likelihood was aware of this story, was aware of William Brown, uh, the real William Brown in Omaha and wrote this song where nothing happened as a statement on white privilege and the sort of, inequities in the experience of William Brown, who, again, in the song, it, the, the race isn't spoken to directly, but given the amount of privilege that William Brown in the song experienced, you can assume that he is a white man. And oh, yeah. moving from the South to Omaha for an opportunity. And, and then another, right, and it all worked out perfectly. And then the story of the real William Brown, who moved from the South to Omaha, and that story. So whether he knew whether that was by design, uh, I don't know if it even matters because the effect, even on my experience of the song, it, that's how it was played out. So knowing how how profoundly Randy speaks to uh, race in so much of his work, given that Born Again was an effort to speak to political issues in a more subtle way, I just have to give 
the artist the, the benefit of the doubt that it, that he that uh, he knew that this was going on. Wow. Well, so there goes theory. my theory out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I, there, the, the, there's an old uh, there's an old peanut strip where uh, Linus and Charlie are looking at the clouds and asking each other what they look like. And Linus says, oh, well, that cloud looks like a map of Central America. And that cloud looks like uh, Botticelli's The Stoning of Stephen. And he says, what do you see, Charlie Brown? He said, well, I was going to say a horsey and a ducky, but I've changed my mind. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't read that much into the song. Other than I do believe that, gosh, okay, my my theory on this, and, you know, I like yours better. Hey, the horsey and the ducky theory could be equally valid, so it hit me. Uh, I believe that William Brown's wife has just died. Interesting. And that... He can afford to live in North Carolina, mm-hmm. but he just can't bear it anymore. And so he has enough money that he can go to a completely different climate. Yeah. And around here, you know, dust is a big deal. Wind mm-hmm. is a really, really big deal. But yeah. it's problems that he didn't have back home. And Interesting. I think he had to leave town to quit being so heartsick to find a way to miss home because we know he's got money. We know he's got kids and he doesn't mention the wife and he doesn't mention the wife. So that's where I've always gone. (laughs) That's interesting that we both picked up on that sort of that gap there and where, where is the wife? Well, you know, I, I think that's, that's one reason why Randy's songs have such an appeal is there's just enough left out that it rewards people who want to dig into it. it Absolutely. It rewards people who want to fill in the blanks. A hundred percent. Yeah. So that's a, that's a puzzle that I've got. Um, the lyrics aside, t- tell me your impressions of the song musically. You talked about how it was very haunting. The, the horns on this can really get you. Yeah, I think it's 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 such a beautiful song. Like it, the music is so beautiful, but there and that, but then there are little notes that come in that just suggest a twist. Like there is a little haunting. Like you know, um, it, it, it's all the great sort of um, you know Randy turns and chords and uh, um, and beautiful. But then, and you know, there was something in the music that suggested to me that something else was going on. There's a little twist. There's a little, and and it sounded a little ominous to me. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you pick up so. on that? Yeah, yeah. There's there's just it's a little creepy. Yeah, and if you look at the lyrics, like there's nothing. I mean, you're reading also, I guess, with the with the wife who had died would suggest like, you know, some, uh, you know, some grief or, you know, or a little haunting that he is haunted by, by the loss of, uh, of his wife. But when you look at the rest of the song, there's nothing, cre- there's nothing ominous going on. Everything no, is no. sort of cakewalk. 
Um, so I, I was very curious where that sort of twist was coming from. Um, and, uh, and, and I think we, we, we landed on a couple different places where that could, that could come in. Well, I think you and I need to drive down to Beverly Hills and corner Randy and get the straight story on this. Have you ever met Randy Newman? No. Interesting. So I have met Randy Newman. Oh, okay. I, uh, so I was, I, I was, uh, uh, living in Chicago at the time where I, I just moved from fairly recently and there's a, um, a concert in Carmel, Indiana, which is, uh, uh, a, like a suburb of Indianapolis. Okay. Uh, so we drive down to middle of November, uh, cold, cloudy, rainy. Uh, and I just booked a hotel. I had nothing else to do in Carmel, Indiana, believe it or not, besides go see a, a Randy Newman show. And, um, uh, there, there haven't been a lot of calendar dates to, to, and a lot of opportunities to see him. So, uh, we made the trip, um, booked a hotel closest to the venue, uh, pull into this parking lot, empty parking lot, uh, walk into the hotel, empty hotel lobby. Uh, and I go up to the, uh, the sort of concierge, you know, the guy behind the desk and, um, and uh, asking for a place to get some dinner. That would be a fun place for my wife and I to go. Uh, and he says, Oh, well, you know, I, I think you should try out our restaurant here in the hotel lobby. And I was like, ah, you know, we're here. We kind of want to go, you know, I don't know. Like, kind of want to go out, you know, maybe, you know, a little dinner, dinner and a show sort of deal. And he, le- and he kind of gives me a little look and he's like, no, I think you should try our restaurant. Oh. And I was like, interesting. So I kind of wheel my bags around to the restaurant. Again, empty parking lot, empty lobby, empty restaurant, except there sitting at the bar is Randy Newman. Wow. And I pulled and I walked right up and I, 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 I mean, what am I going to do at that point? Like I got to, I got to sit down. Um, So I sat down and he was so, he was so nice. Uh, You know, he was fantastic. Um, uh, Invited me to sit down when I asked if he mind, if he would mind. Uh, the bartender asked him if his, if his fans were creepy. He said, I'm creepier than most of my fans these days <laughs> at this point or whatever, which is just so, such a nice, you know, like he's, he's, he is self-deprecating and, but he was really letting me off the hook. I felt like at that point, uh, asked me if I wanted to hear a song. He shouted me out at the show. It was, it was incredible. So, wow. uh, yeah, they say, don't meet your heroes, but if you're, if your hero is Randy Newman and you find him sitting at a, a at a empty hotel bar, uh, I'd suggest you take a seat. I will keep that in mind. What a great story. <laughs> Peter, it's time to spin the wheel. Let's do it. Spin All the right. wheel of Randy. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. And I, and folks, you can play the home game. Go to Twitter at Wheel of Randy. And the pinned tweet will have the new skinny green wheel. Where I've All gotten rid of the stuff we've already talked about. And yes, pants is in red. So... <laughs> That, that that everyone aims for pants. So oh, well, that'd be perhaps a song after William Brown. So it would be uh, for fair enough. It could be my lucky day. So whenever you're ready, just yell stop and tell us what you landed on. Spin the wheel, spin the wheel, spin the wheel. 
One you love. One you love. Okay, folks. This is off of bad love. I think it's off of bad love. Mm. Yes. So, folks, uh, take a couple minutes and listen to the one you love. And Peter and I are going to listen to this, and we will be right back. Bet my money on a bobtown rag all the doodah day. What a romantic guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, what a love song. (laughs) Just, just, yeah, put that on a mixtape and send it to the (laughs) missus. That's right. Oh, Holy Lord. So it's off the album Bad Love certainly falls under that category yeah it does you know when i ever think of bad love i I think of shame and yeah this this is very much in that same spirit of just a real guy yeah it does have that sort of shame 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 sort of it sounded like that i don't know if that's just instrumentation or or what yeah (laughs) Yeah, I, 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 is this an unreliable narrator or not? I mean, I, I certainly think so. I think this is, I think this is the, I think this is a classic unreliable narrator and that he's giving bad unsolicited advice about love. Yeah, he is, isn't he? That you would not you want better, to rely on <laughs> at all. You better be a mind reader. Uh, yeah. Even if it works out, it's going to your life and right. uh, don't kid yourself about thinking that you're in love with her mind that's right yeah oh my gosh uh if you disappoint her by not knowing exactly what's on your mind you're going to lose her and uh and food will probably so it's probably just that she's hungry maybe it's you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that? yeah. I think that's where it falls in the, the unreliable narrator territory for sure. What a weird song. Anticipate her every move. You got to know exactly what she's thinking. And if you don't, you're going to pay. Ah, so he does offer. So let's dig into this narrator. He says, "Young man, you're running free. You're running wild." So he's this is an older guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he ha- he's got 20 hard years under his belt. Yeah. yeah. So when he says, once a great man's heart was captured by a lovely chest, do you think that's where he's speaking of himself? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. So that's his love story. Mm-hmm. 20 hard, oh yeah, there you go. 20 hard years went by. And he said, sorry, you're, you're, I already ruined my life. <laughs> you're too late. I already ruined my life. Oh my God. Uh, that's some bad love. That is bad love. Wow. Wow. All righty. <laughs> well, let's talk about this week's cover. This week's cover. And I could use your help on this. I couldn't find a cover of William Brown. The only cover of William Brown I've found is off of that fan CD. Uh, Mama told me not to sing. Oh, so, interesting. There's a cover of William Brown okay. on that, and I've got that around somewhere, but those songs are not online anywhere. So I'm trying to find one that I can share with people. So I'm going to pull up 
secondhand songs, which does a pretty extensive catalog of, of covers that are out there. And see if there's one that catches your eye, or if you have a favorite, uh, Randy. Yeah. Cameron. So I have a I have a playlist tying it back to Nilsson Sings Newman. I mm-hmm. I have a playlist called Everybody Sings Newman. Oh, um, nice. And uh, and there's you know there's you know some of my favorites are on there. You know, real classics. I, you know, Joe Cocker has some of the best uh, Randy Newman covers. Uh, Nina Simone, Etta oh, yeah. James. I think yeah. Art, Art, Art Garfunkel doing Old Man. But one that I would suggest, which is a, a little, di- it's a little different, um, is by an artist named Cyrus Farrier. And Cyrus does a great version of I Think He's Hiding. I love I Think He's Hiding. Uh, let's see. There he is. Yep, 1971. Cyrus. And I had never heard of Cyrus. Uh, I I love I Think He's Hiding. Um, I, I haven't heard any other covers of that. And, and Cyrus does a really good job with that. All right, I got to listen to this real quick. Hang on. There he is. Who is this guy? <laughs> 271 views. Oh, come on, Chaka Khan. That was the old school Randy Newman. Let's check out the new Newman. Oh! Is that good or what? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Oh, I got to listen to everything that guy put out. Yeah. Man. Super funky. I mean, the band is just kicking. I don't know who that drummer is, but he's got kind of like the Jim Keltner, just super crisp. Um, it's super good. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Of course. Of course. And how many, how many views did you say that YouTube video has? 300? <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's a deep cut. I, I would tell everyone to make sure to listen, but then I'd be too depressed when I log in and said, <laughs> Okay. Apparently, I only have five people that listen to this. Right, the uptick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The wheel of Randy effect. Come yeah, on. the wheel bump is supposed to be life changing. The wheel bump. That's right. I, I want Cyrus to get hold of us and find yeah, out. Yeah, it's a crew. Yeah, how, a career how, maker. how we made him break. Big. That's right. It's a career maker for Cyrus. Oh, Peter, thank you so much for doing this. You've been a great guest. How this is tons of get, fun. How can people get hold of you? You on the socials? Yep, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, and you can reach out to me at petertutant at gmail.com. It's uh, Peter, my last name is spelled T as in Tom, O-U-T-A-N-T at gmail.com. Excellent. And if you can send me some uh, some links to, uh, to the Omaha riots, uh, I'd like to share them on the show as well. Yes, I absolutely certainly will do. Cool. All right. Thank you so much, Peter. Thanks so much, Dan. This is tons of fun. You stay well. Well, that's it for another episode of Wheel of Randy. We are part of the Good Trash Media Network and can be found on Twitter at Wheel of Randy. For links to all of the shows uh, and as well as links to the songs that we discuss on these shows, go to Twitter at Wheel of Randy, go to our pinned tweet, and that will take you to a blog spot with all of these. Yes, a blog spot, because it's 2021. 
Wheel of Randy is brought to you by Wade Engineering. We are a water and sewer engineering firm out of Oklahoma and Texas, specializing in hydraulic modeling. Give us a call at 405-426-7634. couple of thank yous. Thank you to Brian Mays for our artwork. You can check him out on Facebook at Brian Mays Art. Thank you to Matt Farley for our theme song and for our Spin the Wheel song and for our This Week's Cover song. You can check him out at Moturn Media. That's M-O-T-E-R-N Media. Thanks to Alex Sanchez for our Second Chances song. Thanks to everyone out there who has promoted the show, who's given us a good rating, who's given us a review, uh, and just thanks for listening. It means a lot to me. And thanks for staying home. Come on, a couple more months, folks. We've got this. Stay home. Listen to the wheel. Don't get infected. Don't infect others. And maybe society will... See you next time. Bye. It's Wheel of Randy.